Okay, welcome everyone. Thank you for being here. This is Jonathan Lip from the Big Apple Film Festival. Appreciate you being here. So this is our uh, industry summit where we will be speaking with established filmmakers and screenwriters and producers and industry representatives over the next three days. And we will be discussing some strategies for uh, getting your films made, financed, produced, distributed, uh, as well as uh, strategies for acquiring representation, an agent, a manager, uh, as well as uh, selling optioning scripts, things of that nature. So our first guest with us is uh, writer-director Ronaldo Marcus Green. So Ronaldo, um, how you doing? All right. If, yeah, you can just unmute. All right. It. It's getting a little crazy in here. I'm a, I'm a lone wolf with two kids getting ready for school. So uh, you'll just uh, you'll just have to bear with me. All right, no problem. Look how it's done, how we make movies. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you, thank you for taking the time for being here. And uh, let me first um, just just a brief intro. So Ronaldo, um, as I mentioned, is a writer, director, and, and producer. Uh, his first debut, his debut feature film, uh, Monsters and Men, had its world premiere at the Sundance Film Festival in 2018. Uh, from there, he went on to. Uh, direct uh, episodes of Top Boy on uh, uh, Netflix, um, as well as uh, a feature film called Joe Bell, which starred Mark Wahlberg. And he recently directed a film for Warner Brothers uh, called King Richard, which stars Will Smith, which is currently in post-production. So that's my brief intro, but I'll ask real quick if uh, Ronaldo, if you could just give us a bit about, you know, your background and uh, kind of how you started out from your Sundance days and kind of where you are now? Uh, some short answer, I was a baseball player growing up. I was a baseball player growing up. I thought that that's what I was gonna do for my my living and my livelihood. Spent all my time on the, on the diamond. And um, my brother was the uh, studious one. My brother was shot Ernesto Green, who's a, a filmmaker. And he uh, he decided to, to take uh, take the road of, of going to drama school. He went to Dartmouth. and. And I sort of saw his path all the way along. And then after he graduated Dartmouth, he went to NYU for acting. And then he started acting professionally on the, on the, on the circuit. And meanwhile, I had a few different jobs. I, my first career was in uh, education. So I got my, my undergraduate degree, uh, my first master's in education. I started teaching kindergarten through fifth grade. Uh, and I loved it. I wanted to be a superintendent of a school after my baseball dreams didn't work out. Um, and then somehow I wound up uh, transitioning to, to Wall Street, working, um, you know, working in human resources uh, diversity for AIG. Um, it was a girlfriend I was dating at the time. I don't remember exactly how it happened, but somehow I made the jump from, you know, from teaching to, you know, to, to Wall Street. And I stayed there for a few years while my brother's career was sort of was really uh, taken off. Um, and at that point, I thought, you know, it's really cool. He's living this amazing lifestyle. He's traveling the world. He's going to Thailand. He's going to Germany. He's going to all these places that we never visited as kids. And I thought, you know, how cool would it be if we made uh, made films together? But I didn't really want my brother to do it for me. So I really, you know, decided, you know, if I'm going to do it, I should probably do it the right way. And I applied to film school and I got in. So I left my, um, I left my day job at AIG, went to film school in 2012. Um, graduated in 2016, and uh, here we are. Um, that's kind of that was kind of my path. I, I, I really wanted to produce movies. I, I wasn't really thinking about directing at all. So uh, that was that was my path. Once I went into film school, was really to produce my other classmates, produce for my brother, 
Uh, we made a short film together in 2012. So that, that was really the path. And somehow through film school, obviously it's a, it's a writing directing program. I was forced, uh, <laughs> sort of forced to direct. And, uh, and I haven't looked back since. It's, uh, it's been a nice road. Um, I can't believe I wasn't doing it earlier. And I'm really happy that I made the decision to finally, to finally direct, but it, uh, it wasn't sort of a straight road to get there. All right, cool. Interesting, interesting. You know, it's 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 a unique story. You know, that you started out in education and you were working in business and and made this transition in, in film. Um, so so if uh, if anybody has any questions regarding their current projects, anything they would like some insight into, feel free to put the question right into the Q and A box. Uh, and in the meantime, I will uh, start by asking. Uh, if somebody has a script right now, they've never made a movie before, they've never sold their option to script, they don't have an agent, nothing. They're really just just starting out, but they've got this really great script. W what's the first thing they should do? I mean, what? I mean, clearly pitching an agent cold or pitching a studio cold is very difficult. What What would you recommend? Uh, well, you know, I I went the traditional route, so I can I can kind of speak to that, which is film school, right? So through film school, professors and uh, guest speakers, anybody that would I would interact with festivals, if I was, you know, meeting someone at a festival, you know, it's it's that network is what what I had access to. And so, for instance, when I was in film school, I had a short film, but there's lots of kids that had shorts that never really kind of made it out. I thought the festival circuit was really the best avenue for me to meet other people. So when I had a short film, for instance, in 2013, I made a short film called Stone Cars. Um, it premiered at Cannes in 2014. So that was, you know, it was sort of a, a long road to get there, but I went to the festival. I had no money. I was like, how am I going to get there? It was like amazing to go, but they're, you know, they're giving you a very small stipend and I had to find a way to get to France. And I was like, I don't know. And should I be going to all these places? Is it worth it? It's absolutely worth it. I didn't have, I was broke then. And I was even more broke by going to the festivals, but in meeting those, the, those folks, and, and honestly, it was really the other filmmakers because some of the other filmmakers that I met along the way were in a better position than I was. And then I can ask them, how did you do it? Or, oh, you have an agent. No, oh, I loved your short. You were in the same block as me. Let me send it to my agent. So it really, it kind of happened organically, but it doesn't, it, it happens by going and being in places. Obviously, it's a it's a different world we live in now with COVID and not being able to to, to travel in spaces. But you're still interacting on the Zooms. Or you're still in these in these breakout rooms, and I really encourage you know to try to attend as many festivals as possible. And there's no like there's no big or small festivals when it comes to that. Of course, there's the Sundance and the Tribeca, but I had just as much fun going to Ashland. Oregon, as I did going to some, you know, Atlanta Film Festival, you know, to places on the East Coast, to Big Apple Film Festival. There, there's, there's lots of smaller regional festivals that, you know, you can actually meet a lot of, a lot of people. And, um, you know, I would encourage people not to go with business cards and cards of their film. I know that's sort of like, it's what, you know, they, they kind of teach in film school, but I found that just handing someone a card and saying, watching my short wasn't um, necessarily the, the path. Uh, it was really in, in dialogue. It's having a conversation with somebody, telling them that you saw their film um, and you really enjoyed it, um, or you can have a discussion. And I think through those organic conversations, that was really helpful to meeting people. And, you know, and again, I don't think it's a straight path towards getting your script financed per se, but it's certainly building that network and eventually 
getting it in the right hands of some folks. Um, you know, if you're going the non-traditional path, obviously it's a lot harder. You have to knock on more doors. You have to hustle more because it's, uh, you know, there, there's no straight path to kind of get there. But I would say getting in touch with producers, production companies, anyone that knows them can facilitate a meeting. It's always more helpful when somebody introduces you than you introducing yourself. It makes no sense, but that's just the way the world works. If I'm trying to date a girl, it's really hard. Somehow my friend who introduces me, it, it makes it easier for me to, to, that interaction just becomes a little less uh, awkward because all of a sudden my friend says I'm cute and then I go in and then, and then it happens. Um, you know, that's just sort of one example. It's a little bit like dating and how do you go home you know, how do you go home with a number or how do you meet somebody at, at, at a particular place? And a lot of times it's a lot easier when somebody else is introducing you or setting you up than it is for you doing yourself. But if you're really good at that, then great, you're going to be successful doing that. So you kind of have to know your skill set. Not everybody's the most, uh, you know, uh, you know, or, organic when it comes in those situations. So they need help. And I think we all kind of need help in those in those spaces. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, too, you mentioned about, you know, there's no festival, big or small, uh, because, yeah, I mean, I've been to plenty of festivals that were not Sundance or, or you know, South by or something like that. And, and it's so interesting, you know, the people you meet, you meet your, your first of all, your audience, people who want to see your project, as well as industry representatives, other filmmakers. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a re really great point. Uh, so let me jump to a question here. So Sam um, has a question. Uh, he asked, would it behoove me to invite directors and senior writers to a festival hosted live script read in addition to managers and agents um, of production companies? Uh, it depends on the state of your project. If it's really good, then yes. Uh, if it's subpar and you're trying to get notes, uh, you know, it might not be the forum to invite those people. Um, you know, I think... For instance, during the, you know, when I was writing my scripts and I was getting them developed, that development process is obviously very tough, right? Because the first script is usually, they call it the vomit draft. It's, it's not very good. And you share it with three people, your classmates, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whoever it is. And it's a really small circle. You don't want to send that draft wide. You don't want that draft going to agents. Um, you know, maybe the idea you want to get into an agent's ear or, or a manager's ear, the idea, but not the script itself. Um, because if that thing gets exposed too soon, you know, the, the writing will be scrutinized and, and then you'll be sort of on the do not read list and, and you just don't want to fall into that category. So you really want to be, I mean, you have to be your toughest critic. It's hard, right? Because you need feedback and you need people to tell you that it's not good. The, what I find oftentimes is that people, you know, go out too, too soon and uh, it gets exposed and then it's, it's, you know, nobody wants to make it. And so I think you have to really know the state of, of what your project is in. And then hopefully once you've gotten some, I'll use the word accolades, uh, you know, uh, for lack of a better phrase, but some traction, you know, whether it's getting into a script a screenwriting lab or a you know you've gotten some notches under the belt with the project it's gotten accepted into Sundance it's gotten accepted into Tribeca it's gotten accepted into the Cannes residency it's got accepted into some residencies so all of a sudden now your project is being pitched with you know with uh 
some some weight behind it. And I think that's really the way your thing, you know, your project should be presented, especially without all those other, you know, if you don't have an agent or manager putting you forward, you really need to to try to present it. It's like you go to a restaurant and somehow they're able to charge you more by the presentation. It's the same food, but it's it's how it's presented. And I think that's it's a little bit what you're doing is how you're presenting your project to the world. Now you're saying Sundance is behind me. Now you're saying there's a few of these other um, institutions that have said, I'm worth it, or my project is worth it. And it's not to say that you should validate yourself by those things. There's the difference between you saying, I didn't get accepted and I'm not, I'm not validated. That's not what I'm saying, but, but it helps to have a few little, you know, pieces behind you to, to, to then shape your project and present it to the world. And then, yes, of course, look, a reading is always a great thing to do. Um, do you need to invite agents and managers? Yes, I think at the point where you're starting to cast, I think for me, when I think about those things, I think, I think casting is one of the things that get overlooked. Um, if you have access to a great actor or access to great actors to get them to come into your read, I think it's, uh, hi guys. And, you know, and then I think that's, you know, those are the, those are the, the, the kind of things that you can do to, to really set up your project is try to attach an actor, um, someone that could, you know, could, you know, help give the, the, the project some legitimacy. Um, and then, yes, of course, I think the sort of script agent manager uh, step is really towards the end once you're really trying to get the financing of your film, but not, not necessarily trying to like workshop it in front of a bunch of folks that are supposed to give you money. Right. Um, and just just to, just real quick about Sam's question too. If, if, if Sam is inviting um, agents and managers to the read, how, how do you get them to come to the read? Or is that kind of what you're saying? Like if it has some accolades behind it, they'll be more inclined to show up and make an appearance and, and, and see it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's it. I mean, I, I'm, if Sam is, is Sam has the resources to make the short film itself. They, they've probably done enough, no, could get the resources to get a manager agent there. It's really hard. And family members and money, it's, it's, it's the same process. It's just, it's now in the industry. So it's through that same network or the people that you're presenting that film to, is asking everybody who knows someone if they would be willing to attend or would want to attend. I don't think cold calling is, I mean, look, sometimes, yes, you could get lucky throwing a Hail Mary pass, but I think there should be a strategy into how you want and who you want to be there, right? There's lots of production companies. Just having random production companies come to your project may not be that helpful. If you were curating your own attendance, I would say, okay, let's say I was making a horror. I would identify the companies that do horror films. I wouldn't just invite blanket X companies. I would say, okay, here are the 12 companies that do what I do or do what I want to do or sort of on the path. And I would identify those companies as the place. So this way, I'm not just starting with thousands of production companies. I'm really curating that audience and saying, okay, that's a much easier target than it is trying to hit 200 and sending dear production company like that doesn't feel very um specific it feels generic and i wouldn't go to that party but dear ray um i saw your film monsters and men 
it's really aligned with the kind of work that I'm doing. It feels, um, at least in the same world, you know, I'm doing a different spin on the genre, but, but men, how you did that with actors. And look, that's on a personal director level, right? But then maybe on a production level, it's the films you guys make are completely aligned with the, with the kind of stories that I wanna tell, um, you, you know, the tastes or whatever it is, or, you know, th there's lots of ways to specify what you're looking for to get those folks to come. It's like anything, how would you get someone to come to your party if I was a new kid at a school? I would have to figure out who do I want to come to my party and how do I get them there? And it's like, whether it's, you know, and I, and I, and I think it's just, how do you make yourself and your project attractive enough to make people want to come. And of course, if I get that person to come, 12 of their friends are going to come too. Right. And it's really trying to be specific about who you want to get to come to your party so that you can put the best strategy forward. But again, I would be doing the curation about who I want so mm -hmm. that I could be much more specific in how I ask them to come. If yeah. I just want random people to come, it's going to be very, very difficult uh, without saying I'm giving away free money. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, all right. Thank you very much. So uh, next question, Mark, I would like to know what would be the next step after being acknowledged at a film festival? Acknowledged? Uh, I mean, keep writing. Uh, it depends. What, you know, what, what do you want? Do you want to write? Do you want to direct? Um, you know, look, you can't you can't rest on your laurels, so, so to speak. Uh, you know, making a short film is part of the process of becoming a filmmaker. Um, it's just one step in that process, it's not everything, even if you won can. I, I know lots of folks that have won awards at top festivals, but have never put it together to make their feature film. That's like winning the, you know, Little League World Series, but never going on to play another level. So I think, you know, I encourage you to keep writing. I encourage you to keep making short films until you feel ready to make the jump from short to feature. Um, I, even after I had my first successful short, which premiered at Cannes, I did not feel ready. I was not like, I'm a director. I know how to work with actors. I know how to do this whole thing and finance it and put it together. I was not ready. So I felt like I needed to make more short films in that next year to get ready. It's just like practice. So that next year I made three short films. One of them ended up being successful on the, short, on the, on the festival circuit, it's called Stop. And with those two short films back to back, I said, okay, I'm, I'm clearly hitting a nerve here. Something's working. And I'm a year, year and a half older now. I felt more mature and ready to take that next step to feature. So I think I encourage you to keep writing. I encourage you to keep making shorts. I encourage you to keep attending the festivals because and applying to the labs and the residencies because through that network and through that that participation on you know at, at the next level now all of a sudden you're starting to to you know obviously gain confidence um and gain a network that's going to help you facilitate making that making that jump from short to feature right yeah and also regarding you know your short um eric has a question um he actually for, for you personally what was the process for you like going from your short stop to your first feature monsters of men did you have that script for Monsters of Men ready and start sharing with known contacts or did you get an agent manager from your short and, and take that path? Uh, no, so, so I was not ready. Uh, I made stop 
you know, as a part of a school assignment. So it was, you know, it was, I was at NYU. It was my third year. I was getting ready to graduate. So I, you know, after I, I made the short film, it, it was kind of dumb luck that it got into Sundance. I made it for 500 bucks and it got in. And um, so I go to Sundance. I had a conversation with one of the actors who was in my film, who so happens to be a New York City police officer. It was that conversation that I had at Sundance, totally random, it had nothing to do with, with the short itself. We were just talking. And then through that conversation, I said, whoa, this is a way that I could potentially expand. So it was just the seed of the idea. Fast forward six months later, I'm not thinking about Monsters and Men. It's not even a concept at this point. And then I, I went back to that conversation and said, oh, this is possible. I can take that I can take that conversation and it, it could expand my short somehow. So I went back to the drawing board, I would say, after six months and finally cracked this idea of doing a triptych. Um, because to me, it was, <laughs> I'd only had experience doing short films and I thought, okay, well, what if I did sort of started with three shorts, three expanded shorts and put them together in the same world? It was just an easier path. You know, I think about this career a little bit like, it's obviously a marathon. They say life is a marathon, but I would say it's more like the Olympics, right? You're, you're every three or four years, you're putting together a big project or a big event and you need a lot of energy and how do you train for that, you know, one sort of big push. And, you know, Monsters of Men was that sort of Olympic training it was like through the script process, through the writing process, through the development process, I get one shot at qualifying for the Olympics and then one shot at making it. Um, and that was sort of like the path that I took. I was like, I, I really have to conserve a certain amount of energy. I need the right coaches around me. I need to, I, I have to do that because now film school is done. I'm on my own. I've got a son who's now six months old. Like, what do I do? I was kind of in this, you know, I'm looking at Uber applications. Like, how, do I, how am I going to do this? I've got a loan, $330,000 of student debt. How am I going to pay this off? This is crazy. Um, and I really had to kind of like, hunker down, realize every day I wake up, I have to focus on the script. And every day I have to try to use that network that I built in film school once my script is ready to start, you know, getting it out there. And I think that was a little bit of the process for me was writing, 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 writing. For those of you that aren't writers, obviously it's a lot tougher because especially without context, it's very difficult to get great scripts unless you're developing them yourselves. So unless you have other great writers or access to it, the road is just harder. So, you know, directing music videos, directing commercials, there's other avenues towards directing, but uh, without the scripts and the content, it makes it much, uh, much more difficult to take that path solely as a director. As a writer, you can create the content yourself um, you know, it's hard, but you can do it. And then once you make it, then you're all of a sudden you're, you know, you're, you're, you're playing at a different level. Um, you know, once you get that, I don't know if I, if I quite answered the question, but, but, um, hopefully there was something in there. Yeah. And, and in terms of, you know, networking and approaching industry representatives, um, so Joe asked a question over in the chat box, uh, how open are industry people to visual and video attachments to a screenplay? In the literacy world, uh, it's not it's not customary unless it's something that's like it it, it happens. Yeah, I mean, sometimes there's visual treatments. Everything's different. Everything's kind of expanded in the last five years. You know, especially with with Zoom, you're getting a lot more, a lot less interaction. You know, before it was kind of go in the room. People just want the content. They want the pitch. They want 
that's the, 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 the thing that's really gonna sell you, you and the way you present that material, obviously, as the visionary of that, of that particular project. It's, it's the more you know the material, the more you can discuss that material in, with specificity. Like for, for instance, Monsters and Men was a project that wasn't just like dreamed up. It was something that I knew very well because it, Eric Garner got killed you know, on a block I used to deliver pizza. So it was, it was in my backyard. I was talking about something that other people didn't, they only knew from the news. They didn't know what the street looked like or what the deli looked like or what those communities looked like. They didn't know what it looks like in a Puerto Rican household. I grew up in one, you know, like there were just certain nuances of the thing that I was making that I can then present to the world. And I think the more specific you can be with your material, the more universal that becomes. And that, and that's, and that goes for your pitches. You know, look, if you have an amazing visual treatment, yeah, why not? For sure, it should complement your script. Um, you know, whether it's a, a couple of pages of, of just a tone or a style of your project, if it's a video teaser or link, yeah, why not? Again, the quality of that thing is what you will be judged by. If you think it's cool and other people don't, then you have a problem. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know how else to say, when you look at yourself in the mirror and you go outside, like you kind of know like that sweatshirt's a little too tight or I look good or whatever it is. I look good. I feel good in what I'm wearing. And I look good is, is really subjective, right? Like it's, it's how you feel about what you're wearing. And that confidence can, get, can go a really long way. So the same thing, how confident you are about that thing that you're submitting, great. You know, maybe people are gonna love it, but you have to understand once you put that in the body of your email, once you put a sentence in the body of your email, you're now being judged by that. You're being judged by what you post on Instagram. You're being judged by what you post on Twitter. So all of these things is your, is your resume, it's your calling card. For me, I'm not on any of that stuff. I was at some point, and then I realized like, mm, not the right move for me. There's lots of people that are incriminating themselves, whether it's it, through a tweet that they meant good intentions and it didn't fly well. And all of a sudden you're, you, you know, like as I was building my career, I thought I should be judged on the quality of my work and nothing else not promoting myself. And I tried that, I went that route. I definitely, during Monsters and Men, I was self-promoting and it was like, come see my movie and come please. And I just felt like I was begging. And I was really talking to like, what? My 300 or 3000 friends. Like it's not that many people in the grand scheme of the industry who you actually wanna see your movie. Of course you want your friends, but I could email them or call them. Do I have to post online? a picture of my poster. Like I, I stepped back from that situation and realized like, yeah, look, it's great to get people information about your, your work and it's great to get people to support you. There's lots of other ways to go about it. Picking up the phone is, is, is a way, sending a nice text message, being specific. So I thought I'm gonna really just make my relationships quality. And if that number grows, great, but I'm not gonna worry about about trying to promote myself, I'm really gonna try to worry about focusing on my script and getting it in the hands of people that can make it. So I've just been busy. I've been busy with work. And I think that work begets work. So the hardest thing you can do is make that first one. But once you make the first one, now all of a sudden you're, you're in the league, so to speak. And then yes, other work will become a lot easier once you get the first one made. 
Cool. And I had a, just a question about something you mentioned before. I was wondering if you could expand upon it because I think it's very, very interesting. Um, you had said the more specific you are, the more universal it becomes. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I was just wondering if you could expand a bit on, on that. Like how does a specific audience or a specific niche make become, how does that become more, more universal? I would say like, I'll give the, the example I like to use, which uh, I don't know if everybody's seen it, but it's the Tokyo story. Um, it's a beautiful movie um, set in Japan, obviously. And it's a very simple movie. I haven't seen it. I saw it in film school. It was on one of those like, you know, must see films. So I just, you know, threw it on. And it's amazing. Like why does a young black and Latino kid from, you know, uh, you know, from the Bronx and Staten Island, like, why am I relating to this movie in Japan, this love story? Like, it didn't make any sense to me. Like, I didn't grow up around folks like that. But all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm crying. I'm connecting to this movie on a, on a different human level. And it was just ultra specific. I think I think they didn't try to make it for, for an American audience. They tried to make it for their audience. And it just so happened to relate to me. I think oftentimes everyone's trying to write what they think is cool or what people are gonna like. And I, and, that, and I think that's different than having just good taste or just knowing what hasn't been done before. They're two different things, right? I think people should be encouraging themselves to make things that haven't been done before or to make them in ways that haven't been done before. So I wanna do a love story, right? Like obviously there's been lots of love stories, but I wanna do it like this. It's never been done like this before. How specific can I be in that? What is my perspective that I can bring to that particular love story? Look, I used to work, my first job was working at Chuck E. Cheese, right? I used to dance as the rat. That was literally my first job, you know, growing up. And like, I don't know how, I don't know too many other people that used to dance as the rat. Like, I, like, I don't know too many other people. I'm sure that, you know, clearly I worked with, three or four of them, but like, I, I know those folks and I had that job for like two years. So all I'm saying is like, that is so unique when people hear that because they don't know. That's so unique about my experience. And I think those are the things that you need to tap into, into your projects, no matter who you're working with, Will Smith, Mark Wahlberg, all those folks that you will meet along the way, they want to know who you are. Where are you coming from? What makes you uniquely you? because that's what's gonna give you your perspective to whatever story, whether you're directing your own material or somebody else's material, it's how you interpret that material. So I would say, again, it's when you're making your scripts, you're not trying to, you know, just write a movie for everybody. I mean, yes, you hope everybody loves it, but that's just not possible. There's no movie that's 100% rotten on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever it is. Like, it's just not possible, no matter, even if you love it there's gonna be people that don't like your thing. So you're not trying to write to that percentage of people. You're trying to write to who you think is gonna come watch your movie. And it doesn't matter if, if it's five people, or 50 people or 500. Obviously you want the bigger number, you know, and if you have good taste, more and more people will see what you're trying to do. But it's like anything, right? If you're online, I remember being on social, social media you can read through the posts. If people feel like they're trying to say too much, like you start really being critical about how people are presenting themselves online. People read your material the same way. They're like, ah, this doesn't, this doesn't, this is, they're trying to, they're trying to do this. Like people start projecting what they think you're trying to do. 
you're trying to, oh, you're trying to talk to the masses. You're trying to, uh, I see they're trying to do that. Like, just stay within yourself, do the things that you want to do, be specific about your upbringing and your story and bring that to every project that you have and just keep it simple. Don't try to do too much. I think that's, it's just often, that's what we do, right? And if we think about the most beautiful films, they're just the most simple. It's the most simple concept, the most simple story. And it's just, it's not trying to do too much. We oftentimes, because it's just the way, it's natural. It's natural to try to get exposure. It's natural to try to get attention. That's what children do, right? We, we try to make it flashy so that people are going to like it. And you're like, no, sometimes the most simple meat is the most delicious. I'm sorry for any vegans out there, but like sometimes the most simple dishes are the most delicious. It's not with all the condiments on it. You know, it's just the most simple, simple ingredients. And you want to treat yourself with that level of respect with very simple ingredients that are going to help you make that thing you want to make. Yeah, uh, thank, thank you. That's, that's really great insight. Uh, and then we had a, a question, which I, a lot of filmmakers and screenwriters have. Uh, do you have any advice on getting a manager or agent? Was that helpful with your first feature? Uh, advice, write a great script. Uh, if you have a great script, believe me, you will be able to get in the right hands. It's when the script is not great, you're finding it, you're hitting walls. Um, you know, it's just it's just the way it is. If you have a great script, you you will find that person. It's sort of uh, you know the line, and if you build it, it you know he will come. You know, it's a little bit of you. Ha you have to build that thing, and then believe me, people are going to come to get that. You know, it's like any new restaurant or new ice cream shop or new store. People want good quality stuff and they will find it because they're they're looking for it. They need the content. So you just need the content. If you don't have it, it's going to be very difficult. And for me, at some point, uh, I remember I wrote the first draft. I had met some folks at a festival similar to, to, to Big Apple who had produced a film called um, Beast of a Southern Wild. And they loved my short film. They loved the short film stop. And they just said, keep in touch. Sure enough, when I had the concept from Monsters and Men, I thought, oh, it's the same world. Maybe they would be interested in my feature. So I remembered that they were interested in me. This was now six months later. I decided to write the script. I just said, hey, look, I'm developing a project. We should keep in touch about it when I have the script. So I just kind of seeded out the idea that I was making a feature and to see if they would be even excited about it. And I didn't write a long book in the email. It wasn't one of these, you know, I went to film school and sold my whole resume. It was none of that. It was just, hey, I remember meeting you at Sundance. Great, I hope all is well. I'm making this feature, you know, uh, wanted to put it on your radar. Simple. Great, let us know when you have a script. Six months later, they were checking in after three months. I didn't have the script after three months. They were checking in. Hey, that script you told us about, do you have it? So all of a sudden I'm like, man, I need to get this script. <laughs> I, I like got them excited about this thing I don't have. So 
I created buzz around this thing I didn't even have, but it gave me an engine and it gave me something to look forward to and to work towards. And I think that's, you have to kind of create these little obstacles for yourself in order to attract, you know, attract some attention. And I think, you know, same thing with agents. I was introduced to my agent by a fellow producer. So a producer, up and coming independent producer that wanted to work on my film was like, hey, I know this guy, Craig Castell over at Endeavor. He would love this because he did a movie called Fruitvale Station with Ryan Coogler. Sent it to Craig. There you go, the rest is history. It would you say that it's possible for an emerging screenwriter to reach out to an agent through like a cold call or a cold pitch, or do you have to sort of go through networks and connections and things like that? It's possible. It makes it harder. It's just, again, it feels like spam. If I don't know you, why? It's just, I, they get so many emails. It's just unsolicited, right? If someone put a package on your door, it doesn't matter if it was, a brand new bike, you'd be skeptical of that thing on your doorstep. You'd just be like, how did that get in here? Mm -hmm. You'd be skeptical of it. It, it. Like literally, if I got an Amazon package that I didn't order, I would be skeptical of opening it. It right. would sit there for a couple of weeks. I'd ask my wife, I wouldn't open it. It doesn't, it, it's not mine. I don't know whose it is. I didn't order it. So you have to understand that's how people are viewing that email that comes in. Hi, my name is Michael. Hi, my name is Amy. Um, I went to USC or whatever. Like all, all of that just feels like, is this spam? I get a thousand of these emails. I get a thousand emails from every festival across the world, unless it has my name on it, that feels like it's written to me specifically. Even then I'm like, how did they get my email? Did we meet at a festival? Did we did I meet and give out my contact information? And if I didn't, I probably don't want people emailing me. What, what about- that's, um, that's usually the approach. Okay, and, and now what, what about like, let's say you don't have connections or a network at this point. What do you think about things like screenplay competitions or databases like Inktip or yeah. the Blacklist, things yes, like that? 100%. Submit, okay. submit, submit, Blacklist, submit to everything. Submit to every, look, you know the which ones are the good ones and you can and, and the good ones are the ones that have a track record right meaning the people that submit to those labs mm. have gone on to make a film if there's 50 you know there are tons of labs out there but nobody's making movies then maybe those labs aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing a lab is a laboratory which is a place where you go to make something it's not where you go to just get an accolade. It's exactly what it's supposed to be. If you use it in the sense that it was designed, then great. If it's just used for a filler on your resume, then save you 50 bucks or 70 bucks or whatever it is to submit. Mm -hmm. If you are using it to gain knowledge and information and access to that particular thing, because it's gonna help make that next step, then absolutely it's worth it's worth double than what you would pay for it because it's going to give you more and you can't be cheap with yourself. And I think those are the things where look, look, 
there's not one person on this call 100% that is in greater debt than I am. Nobody took out $330,000 to go to film school. So everyone's starting in a better financial situation than I am. So I don't, you know, there's no excuse for I didn't have the money or it was too expensive because I'm still, look, I just worked with Will Smith. I hope the film goes on to win Oscars. I don't know, but I still am paying down student loans. So I don't know too many other people that are in their fourth feature who are still paying. So it, 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 but was it worth it? Absolutely. I've got a beautiful family. I met my wife in film school. I've got two kids. I've worked with, with like, I don't know. I feel rich, <laughs> you know, but, 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 but I feel rich because it's not because of how much money I have in my bank account because NYU was expensive. You know, I feel rich by the experiences that I had and by the ability of me not telling myself that I wasn't worth the $50 submission. Right. I wasn't worth the $150 lab. Like I didn't cheap out on myself. I found a way to get it done and to find the money to do what I love to do or what I thought I loved to do. And I think that was enough for me. So I think as you're thinking about, should I, you know, I'm not sure, you know, and it's always based in some sort of financial, I, I, you have to kind of move past that. You're going to have to invest in yourself. It's like a baseball player that doesn't have a professional tee or a batting net or the best equipment like you need it. Right. Sometimes you have to dress the part to look the part and you have to sometimes get that extra $300 piece of equipment that is going to take you to the next level. And you have to think about your careers like that, because if you're skimping on yourself, it's going to feel that way in your work. And um, you really need to invest in yourself. And look, there's no greater investment than in your education, you know, whether it's in film school or not film school, it's just, it's in labs or grants, but yeah, there, there are so many different paths to going, uh, you know, to, to making it. And I know lots of folks that have done both. I could only speak to, the, to mine. I didn't have the motivation. I needed the deadlines. I needed the structure of a film school, me personally, because that's just the way I work. I needed that. I, I grew up as a as an athlete with coaches and pay, like I grew up in that. So there was always some sort of structure. There was, you know, in the same reason there's festivals and why festivals exist, there's a structure. I'm not just, otherwise you just put your film out and, and, and project it on your wall and invite some friends over to the house. Right. Um, you know, there's there's <laughs> structure and there's a reason they exist. Right. Thank you very much. Um, all right. So in conclusion, uh, where can our audience um, check out your, your films? I know Joe Bell, we mentioned with Mark Wahlberg, uh, and then you have the Will Smith film coming out, um, uh, King Richard. Uh, when, uh, when will these films be available or where can they be seen? Uh, Joe Bell will come out at the end of July, I believe. You know, everything was affected by the pandemic. So right. uh, I think it's coming out at the end of July. Roadside Attraction is releasing um, they did Judy and uh, Butter, Butter, what is it? Peanut Butter Falcon. So they've done some, some good titles in the last couple of years. So uh, I'm excited about that. And then um, HBO Max and uh, Warner Brothers is releasing King Richard on Thanksgiving weekend. So take your family, bring 50 people. It'll be fun. Um, it's a great, it's, it's, they're, they're, they're both very different movies. Um, you know, I hope you enjoy both. Um, and yeah, let me know what you think about them. Cool. Well, th yeah, thank you so much. And congratulations on, on, on your upcoming 
projects, you know, Jill Bell, King Richard, and and you have another you have another project in development right now as well. Uh, yeah, I'm in I'm in prep on a TV series called uh, We Own This City. It's uh, David Simon and uh, George uh, Pelicanos. It's their follow up to The Wire. It's not it's not Wire related, but it's shooting in Baltimore. It's a yeah. six part uh, miniseries for HBO. So I'm headed to Baltimore on Saturday nice. to see all the bags packed. <laughs> And, uh, cool. yeah, we're, we're ready to go. Wow. All right. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for, you know, I know you're very busy. So thank you for taking the time to, to speak with us today. We really appreciate it. Congratulations no on your project. Luck out there. All right. Thank you so much for all of your, your wisdom. We really appreciate it. No, no problem. Take care. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye now.